The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we have looked at the life of David, we've discovered that the term a man after God's own heart doesn't mean a perfect man. David had many flaws, yet he was still called a man after God's own heart. In today's sermon, we begin looking at one of those times when David didn't act very much like the man he ought to be. We pick up at a point in his life where rather than seeking the will of God, he said within his own heart, I'm going to flee from Israel into a place where Saul can't find me. David's defection exposed him to many unnecessary dangers, but even there, God protected him. Join us as we begin to look at David's defection over the next few messages. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
1 Samuel. We're going to look in the 27th chapter today uh, as we continue on our series that we've tried to preach on the lines of a man after God's own heart, dealing with the life of David and how that life of David can encourage us and teach us some great lessons that are so important. You know, I'm encouraged that God, you know, I can't meet the standard of Christ. Nobody can. Uh, and he is still our standard. He should never, we should never not look to Christ as our standard. But I'm also thankful that the Bible is so real and so down to where we live that there are men in the Bible that are called the friend of God, like Abraham. And there are men in the Bible like David, one particularly David here, who is called a man after God's own heart. That encourages me that a man can be called a man after God's own heart. Even with all the faults and failings that we've seen with David and what we're going to see today. We're going to experience with David some of his failings today out of chapter 27. And we'll go back and pick up chapter 26 in the course of the message. This morning, I want us to look at David's defection. David's defection. You know the, the history up to this point, for those that have been here, a little refresher, for those that have not, you kind of get a little glimpse of it, that David is on the run. David was anointed king back in about the, uh, uh, I believe it was the 16th chapter, but uh, uh, David is on the run. He's the anointed king of Israel. God's promised him that he's going to be king, but Saul is still sitting on the throne. Saul is no longer king in the eyes of God, but as far as the actual ruling and reigning, he's still ruling and reigning. Uh, but as far as God's concerned, David is the king. But Saul, of course, is not happy about that. And Saul's been after David constantly uh, for the last several messages that we've been preaching on this subject. David has been running from God. He's uh, running from Saul, rather. He's, he's shown some of his true colors. David had a problem with lying. If you look throughout the, the history of David, David, you know, we all have besetting sins that seem to beset us worse than others. You know, I'm sure if you looked in your life, you could point out to me, and I don't want to know what they are because I'm not going to tell you mine, but, uh, but I can count four or five sins that continually come up in my life. Now, I'm out to do anything, but you know, murder is just really not on my radar screen right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's probably some people that uh, could get under my skin enough that the old man would rise up and I'd want to kill him. But that, that's not really an issue for me. Bank robbery is really not an issue for me right now. Oh, but there are others that are issues for me on a daily basis. Things that beset me and keep coming back. And you can usually boil them down to four or five. Uh, two or three primary sins usually, but they're the ones that just keep coming back. David appears to have a problem with telling the truth. He's always trying to, and, and he has a real problem with trusting God. He has a real problem with just saying, you know, Lord, uh, I, I, it's in your hands. You promised me this. Uh, you promised me I'm going to be king. I'm going to leave it up to you. And I'm not going to try to do all these, uh, uh, all of these behind the scenes machinations that are going to uh, cause uh, all kinds of problems and cause me to have to lie and continue to be deceitful. We've seen that already, that one of his deceitful uh, approaches to this thing has cost the death of all the priests in the family down there of Ahimelech. It's been something that's been a problem for him continually. And today we get to the point where David says, and I want you to look with me in the uh, 27th chapter of 1 Samuel, in verse 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines 
And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hands. Now, I want to say to you, child of God, remember this, because it happens to you. I know it does because it happens to me. Your circumstances can rob you of the joy that we should have in Christ. If we get our eyes on our circumstances out here, the things around us and our vision horizontal, I promise you, your joy will dissipate quickly. It will dissipate quickly. And David's circumstances led him to this point in his life where he makes a decision to defect, in essence, from the nation of Israel that he is supposed to be king over and go down into the land of the enemy. Now, I want us to look, first of all, this morning at the root of David's defection. The root of David's defection. What was the cause of his defection? Well, first of all, I've already mentioned it, he was misled by his circumstances. You remember his devoted enemy? (laughs) His devoted, I mean, you haven't had an enemy like David had, I promise you. It's, it's, it's rare in life to find such a devoted enemy as King Saul. If you look, look back with me in the 23rd chapter and the 14th verse, it says this is after David's been you know, chased by Saul and he's going all kinds of places in the wilderness. It says David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph and Saul sought him every day. Saul sought him every day. And he goes on to say, but God delivered him not into his hand. But think about this. Think about this. David is under the pressure of having one of the most committed enemies that you could ever have. Saul is after him every single day. There's not a waking hour that David has where this pressure of this enemy chasing him is not on him. There's not a waking hour. There's not a, there's not a sleeping hour where, uh, where he can really get away from. You ever slept when you've got a burden on your, on your heart, something hanging over your head, and you lay down and you sleep fitfully, and you wake up, and the first, last thing on your mind when you go to bed at night is that problem. The first thing on your mind the next morning is that problem. It's a burden that he cannot get away from. Look, at, look back in chapter 26, and we're not going to spend the time to read this whole chapter. I encourage you to read it. But basically what happens here is a replay of what happened when David found Saul in the cave taking care of his business. And he had the opportunity to kill Saul there, but he didn't. He, he just cut off the hem of his garment. And he said, I'm not going to reach out and touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to leave the, that up. You know, vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is yours, God. And I'm going to leave it in your hands. But we read here in the first... Uh, Verse of that chapter, the Ziphites came to Saul to Gibeah and said, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hakilah, which is beyond before Jeshimon? And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Hakilah, uh, which is before Jeshimon, before, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. And now the rest of that story goes like this. David sends some spies down there and they find out where Saul has pitched his tent and they come in there and Saul was laying down asleep by his war leader, Abner. And, uh, and, and, and David, uh, gets his, his, his war leaders, Ahimelech and Abishai and, uh, and Joab, uh, is, is not with them, but he's, that's part of his family. He said, come on down with me to the camp. And Abishai goes with him. And when they get down there, Saul was sleeping with his spear in the ground. And, and, and everybody was asleep. And they were so 
uh, deep asleep, and, and we're told that that was of the Lord, that they were so deep asleep that they could just kind of walk through the camp and not be heard. And so now Abishai, in verse 8, says to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him. He remembered what happened before. He said, David, they said, David, kill him, kill him, kill him. And David said, I'm not going to touch him. So okay, well, let's try a different tack. Okay, this time, uh, let me do it, David. Just, you don't have to sully your hands with this bad deed. You, let me do it. I'll take care of it. <laughs> He said, I, he said, let me do it. I love what he says. He said, let me smite him. I, verse 8, I pray thee with a spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. He said, you let me do it, boy. I'll take care of the job. <laughs> I, I'll take care of it the first time. And then David singing the same song, the song that caused problems with his men. They didn't like it, but it was a song that was pleasing to the Lord. He said, David said to Abishai, destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed, anointed and be guiltless? And furthermore, he said, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And he goes on to tell him, you just take his spear and his cruise of water. And the next thing that happens is that David confronts Saul again. He calls out his name because he's smart. He's out of the camp and away, a ways away. And he calls out to him and he said, you know, he makes fun a little bit of Abner for not protecting him. And then he said, let me show you the Lord's, the, the spear and the cruise of water. And Saul, once again, when he hears the voice of David, Saul makes this statement in verse 21. David's defending himself, saying, listen, you know I'm not out to get you. You call me your enemy. And you're my enemy, but I am not your enemy. And then in verse 21, then said Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. <laughs> and he goes on in verse 25. Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and shalt also prevail so David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Now let me just stop right here. The next sentence, is, the next verse is broken by uh, a chapter marking, but we go right into it. And that's the next sentence when David said, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. What's up with this? David has just left it in the hands of the Lord. He's just showed great faith. He's just been a great, mighty man of faith. And, and, of course, David, David understands that this repentance of Saul is, is, really, is really worthless. I, I don't doubt that Saul meant it at the time. I think Saul is a man of, he, he was a child of God, a man in great conflict because he was not walking with God. You know, the Bible teaches us that a double-minded man, man is unstable in all his ways. And there, there's never been a greater double-minded man than, than King Saul. Because King Saul knew the blessings of God. He knew the grace of God. He was a child of God. And I believe we'll see that as we continue to read uh, through, as, as we continue to preach through this, this series. But, but Saul, was he would, he would repent in, in word. He would repent probably in his mind, but he never put it out of his heart. He never would completely turn from what he was doing and lay it down. He would say, he would be convicted by what was happening here. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know the Lord said this. I love you, David. I'm so sorry. Then he'd get home and maybe he had whisperers in his ears. We read about that in one place. But a lot of people are lying to him. 
Maybe he just had a change of heart because he gets to looking at his circumstances again and says, you know what, I'm not going to, uh, to let David go. It kind of sounds like Pharaoh, who wasn't a child of God, according to the Word of God. You know, that tells me something important here. That tells me that I, as a child of God, can act like somebody who's not a child of God. Yeah. You know why? Because I've still got that nature inside of me. So I need to be careful not to be like Saul and not to repent in word only, but to repent in heart and mind and change my mind to go. So David knew this. David knew that it wouldn't last because Saul already done it once. The last time David encountered him, Saul said, I'm going to leave you alone. And then next thing you know, here he is right back after him. And David has just shown great faith by leaving vengeance in the hand of the Lord. So what's happened here? Is David something wrong with David? And the answer is, yeah, there is. He's a child of God who still has a sin nature. Same thing's wrong with you and me. You ever experienced the situation where you have exercised great faith in a matter? You ever, you ever got up on a, on a morning and you've got a burden that's bothering you, but you know, you prayed about it, you read your word, you've been in the word of God, you just felt this, just felt a peace from God because you've been faithful. You've been, I've, I've been, listen, I'm not bragging, okay? But I think it's the same experience you've had. I have been faithful in my life. Now, I've been unfaithful too many times, and I'm sorry to say way more than I've been faithful, but I have been faithful. And I've experienced the blessing of being faithful and saying, you know, I left that in the hands of the Lord. I'm good with that. So what gives? What gives is, is that we still live in this world. And David, although on the mountain there, when he was in the mountaintop of faith, he was able to leave it in God's hands and be satisfied with that. When we come back down to the valley where we live, sometimes if we don't keep our vision vertical, we'll, we'll get our eyes back on our circumstances. And you know what David's thinking here? Same thing I'd be thinking. Boy, that was a great encounter. And in the moment, he probably, maybe he shed tears. I don't know. Saul finally, you know, admit, but then he's thinking, you know what? He did that the last time. He did it the last time. People can't really change. Well, there is some truth to that, child of God. There's always that sin nature that's within us. But let me just say this to you, by the way. People can change if you're a child of God. <laughs> if you're a child of God, you can change. But David said, he's just going to come after me again. He is my sworn enemy. And David's, he gets misled by his circumstances. <laughs> and maybe perhaps more than any other after this episode, I believe David realizes that Saul will never relent David will not have a day off in this war. Every morning he will get up. The constant pressure will be there of this fight. He will not have any reprieve in this until Saul is dead. You know, sometimes the constant pressures of life are overwhelming to us. Our enemy may not be Saul. It may not be a person. It may be sickness. It may be, may be a job issue. It may be, may be a family matter. It may be uh, financial. It may be uh, something else. It may be an affliction that's on us, and and the constant pressure of the. You know, I like to have a. I like to have a break. I like to have a break. I like to. I like to stop everything and sometimes just sit down and do nothing. You know, but David says I can't do that. And sometimes in in life we can't do that. And sometimes those constant pressures are overwhelming to us. And 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 the problem that we may face is that we may do 
what David did and end up defecting from the kingdom of God to try to take care of our problems in the land of the enemy. He was misled by his circumstances and he was mistaken in his decision. He, he made one of the biggest mistakes of his life. Look at verse 1 and 2 again here in chapter 27. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore in, the, in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. That's a name we've heard before, isn't it? Both the king and the, and the land. That's a, that's a place we've heard of, isn't it? That's a place where David is going to a place that is populated by his greatest enemies in an effort to relieve himself of this one enemy, Saul. And I want you to notice that when he went down there, David didn't all of a sudden lose all of his responsibilities. He still had the responsibility for all these men, for their families, his own family, and these pressures were still overwhelming, but when he goes down to Gath, he thinks he's gotten rid of his problem. But I want you to notice how he got here. When he made this decision, notice what he did. The very first line of verse 1, and David said in his heart, how did David get here? How did David ever get to the point where he thought it was a good idea to leave the, the, the kingdom of God and go down to a place that was populated by his It's because he said in his heart. Notice he did not pray to God. He did not consult with the Lord. He said in his heart. And we know what the heart will do, don't we? <laughs> Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, he got to feeling like this is the way to go. But you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall, set you, shall make you free. He didn't say you shall feel the truth, you see. See, the truth is truth whether you feel like it or not. The Bible is right no matter how you feel about it. No matter how hard it hurts or how hard it is to do what it says to do, the Bible's always right. And the reason we need the Word of God is because we don't always feel like it. I've been there. I've been there. I've done exactly what David has done. I've tried to work out the circumstances myself instead of trusting God. There's nothing I hate more in my flesh than trusting God, I'll tell you. Because I don't like trusting somebody else. Some of you Alabama fans out there, I'm so sorry that we've got our two primary Auburn fans that are not here because I was going to be, be nice to them today. So some of you Alabama fans that are here, okay, all right. And I know all of you aren't, but some of you Alabama fans that are here, guess where we are as a team? We're counting on somebody else in order to get into the playoffs. Now that's a poor, I know that's a poor... Uh, yeah. Example compared to here, but it makes sense, right? After that big loss yesterday, we now in that in that a place you hate to be. Don't you hate to have to count on somebody else? We got to count on somebody else to do something for us. And even when it's God, when I'm walking in my flesh, I don't like that. <laughs> That's not my nature to do that. See, my nature is to work it out. My nature is to go down into gas. 
and say, if I can do that, I'll be okay. I'll relieve this pressure. Well, he should have prayed. He should have sought godly counsel. But instead, he deceived himself and he defected to the enemy. Now, what caused him to do that? Yeah, I mean, the circumstances were bad. I know that. The circumstances weren't good. They were issues. But David's been through bad circumstances before. The, the problem with David is, is that he got focused solely on his circumstances and he fell into the same thing you and I will fall into if we focus on our circumstances, and that is a deep depression. Yeah. A deep depression. I promise you, don't. I would say try it, but I don't want you to try it. <laughs> but if you did do that next week, if you start focusing on your circumstances and the things going on around you, I promise you by the end of the week, maybe by the end of the day, yes. you'll be so depressed, you won't be hardly able to stand. Yeah. I love the fact that, uh, that we have some... some insight into what David's thinking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in his Psalms that he wrote. Look with me to Psalm chapter 10. And just, we're just going to read a few verses. The first verse of several Psalms. They end up, most of these Psalms, I think all of these Psalms actually end up with him trusting God again. But notice where his soul is in this time period. Psalm chapter 10 and verse 1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? You ever ask God that? Where are you, Lord? Where are you? You know, that, you know what that is? That's a symptom of you looking around you instead of looking up because God's always there. But look at where he is. Why standest thou far? Verse, chapter 13 and verse 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? <laughs> He's gotten to the point where he believes God is completely hiding his face. Look at the most famous one. And, and I know we use this in chapter 22 of the Psalms. I know this is... This is a foreshadowing and a prophecy of Christ. But I want you to understand that David's condition of soul at this time is that he is still in a deep depression just that mirrors that which Christ will face on the cross. Look at this, the first line of Psalm chapter 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? David has gotten his eyes on his circumstances. And, and listen, as I said, that's Christ, certainly. That's David quoting Christ on the cross. But David's feeling it when he writes it. And you and I get there sometimes as well. I want you to notice with me next the risks of his defection. David, in this depression of soul, looking at his circumstances, misled by them, makes the wrong decision to go down into the land of the enemy. I want you to notice the risks of doing that. Instead of finding safety, David found greater danger. 1 Samuel 27 and verse 4, verse 3. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife, and it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. Now notice what happened in the short term. In the short term, David got a little bit of relief. Because Saul finally gave up and that particular danger was no longer there for David. But, but notice where David is. He's in Gath. You remember who was from Gath? Goliath was from Gath. David went down to Gath is one of the first places he went to when he was fleeing from Saul and he realized how foolish it was because he had, he had Goliath's sword and people were saying, this is the guy that killed our champion. This is the guy that killed our hometown hero. 
So he has to act. He starts slobbering at the mouth and, and beating his head against the gates. And they finally say, this guy's crazy. Let's get him out of here instead of killing him. So that's where he's back to now. He's back at Gath. Saul has given up. But, but think about this too. <laughs> Why did Saul give up? Because he'd won. <laughs> he'd won. Yeah. You know, there's two ways to take care of somebody who's trying to overthrow you from the, from the throne. You can kill them, and that's what he'd been trying to do. Or you can just run them off into, and cause them to go over to the other camp, you know? If, if we have somebody that defects, we have somebody that's, that's a pretender to the presidency of the United States, the president can either have him killed, <laughs> or if that person defects to Russia, you no longer have a problem, do you? Because nobody's going to listen to him anymore, are they? <laughs> of course, we're going to see how God even protects him in his foolish decision, which does not justify his foolish decision, by the way. Don't make foolish decisions because don't make God have to sigh and say, okay, here we go again. I'm going to, you know, because eventually the Lord will just leave you and let you experience the consequences of your foolish actions. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.